Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And now our focus 52 scripture, Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. And I sought for a man, everybody say a man. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about standing in the gap tonight. In Ezekiel, the land had, nation had become polluted. Men serving false gods. False gods like intellect and pleasure and power. Violence was increasing everywhere. Government officials had become corrupted. Their ministers and their priests condoned their evil practices. And God begins to deal with the prophet of God And he makes him to understand that it's time for judgment to come. You see, for God to be righteous, he must judge. Let me say that again. For God to be righteous, he must judge. When God does not Judge, watch me here, people begin to think he condones. And next, they think he approves. Or they think he's dead. All kinds of false and blasphemous forms... Or ideas of God are formed if God doesn't judge. Just just hang in there with me for a minute. Though he must judge, the Bible said he still sought to save. I want you to understand tonight that God is is in this hour as he was in that day, the Bible said he sought for a man. It has always been that God has always worked and operated through humanity. And... I tell you this tonight, and when I say man, I know I don't have to explain, but 
I hope you understand that I'm talking about men and women. But it has always been the cry of God looking for a man that would, as he spoke to the prophet, make up the hedge and stand in the gap. You see, the issue is this. Sin always separates from God. It creates a gap. Anybody with me? And God cannot deal directly with sin without a dying. And so we've got to know that God sought men to be intercessors. And the Bible said that he looked everywhere and he could not find a man. So did that detour God from his ultimate goal and plan of restoring Men back to him, of course it didn't. The Bible said that when he could not find a man that could stand in the gap for his people, that his own arm brought salvation. Watch what God does. God says, I'm going to inhabit a human being. Pastor preached to, it, preached to us about it this weekend. About the cure. And the cause. But God has to take action on his own. Because he cannot find a man. And so God robes himself in flesh. And comes to dwell among us because he needed a man. And I'd like to tell FBC tonight that God is still looking for men and women that will stand in the gap in this hour. Let me give you a few qualifications if I can. That individual must be walking in fellowship with God. Must be separated from worldly practices. Must be willing to be God's instrument. And you must have courage. Now, let me get back to where I started tonight. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. I need to ask you tonight, church family, to settle the question of priorities in life and to make the kingdom of God your primary concern. 
We used to sing a song that said, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. I believe it's honorable to have earthly goals and desires and things that you're reaching for and things to improve yourself and to improve the life of your family. And I think all of those things are great and grand, but I'm telling you tonight that nothing is more important than what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And if there ever was an hour that we need, God needs somebody that will stand in the gap. Listen to me. The drunk isn't going to do it. The drug addict isn't going to do it. The prostitute is not going to do it. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? God's looking for men and women tonight that'll say, I'll step out of the crowd. I'll make the kingdom of God first in my life and I'll do the will of God before I do any other will. To do that, we must, everybody say this word with me, consistently. We must consistently honor and represent the kingdom of God. And then the way we deal with family and friends and work and leisure and everything else in our life will all be transformed. When we put God first, let me, let me just ask you a hard question right now. What is most important to you? What is most important to you? People? Objects? Goals? Money? Pleasure? All of those things are competing for priority in your life. I do know that across this crowd, across this congregation tonight, that there are a plethora of desires and goals and, and things that you'd love to see happen in your life. But I want to stress to you, very sternly and firmly tonight that any of those things that quickly bump God out of first place in your life are not the will of God for your life. Strangely enough, when you get your priorities right, Jesus promised that God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him. You see, when Christians seek God first, when we live to the glory of God, the Lord takes care of our needs. When you live to the glory of God, we are promised 
that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. If you lay down tonight to go to sleep, you, if you're living to the glory of God, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't have to roll and toss and turn. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you that if you live to the glory of God, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. First of all, He's already there. He knows what's ahead for you. And He'll meet you there. But in the meantime, He wants you to rest in Him. The issue here and the big deal is, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now watch this. What what does it mean? To seek first. There is an inherent benefit to those who seek first the kingdom and live to the glory of God. According to Jesus, prosperity, I know we're afraid of that word. Prosperity follows putting God first. Now, to be sure, he wasn't promising that we'll be endowed with riches and that we'd be able to buy all the big boy toys that we've always wanted. But in fact, true prosperity is God's presence and God's provision in our life. I loved it when David penned the words, I was young, but now I'm old. But there's one thing that's never changed. There's one thing that's always remained steady. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll put God first, I'll promise you and the Word promises you that He'll take care of everything that you need. Somebody ought to thank Him for that. In other words... If we seek first His kingdom and live to the glory of God, He'll see to it that our needs are met. Now, when it is said, seek first, it means first in both senses. First in time and first in emphasis. Now watch this. Confession time without the booth. How many of you wake up every day with good intentions to do something for God? 
Come on, lift your hand. Unless you don't, then don't lift your hand. All right? Now, here's, here's true confession. How many of you find yourself at the end of the day looking back and saying, I meant to do that, but I didn't get it done? Come on, it's okay. I'm not... It's not a trick question. It's all right. When when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You want to know how to make your day go better? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Ah, come on somebody. I I, I want you to get this. We need, I, I don't know, I don't know. Just exactly what God requires of us. I know with our tithing and our offering, <clears throat> He was dealing with, with uh, our substance. In Bible days, their tithe was they, they brought the, uh, the first fruits of their harvest, the portion that was the first fruits, and that's what they gave to the Lord. They offered wave offerings and bread offerings and all kinds of things. But I wonder, I, I, now I can't say that I could put my thumb on a, on a, a, a scripture somewhere, Brother Stephen, but, but I wonder what does God expect out of us of our time? Now, I think I'll probably be pretty safe in saying that we don't give God as much of our time as we do give our time to other things. I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm trying to help you right here. I'm trying to tell you that if you've got sons and daughters and husbands and wives and neighbors and friends that need to be saved, they're going to need somebody that'll stand in the gap for them And it can't be somebody that's got Jesus Christ third or fourth or fifth down the list of your priorities, but they're going to need somebody that's got a direct link and a direct connect to Jesus Christ. And the reason that you do and you will is because you put Him first in time. Everybody say time. You seek Him first in time, and you seek Him first in emphasis. Now, what's that mean, Bishop? I, 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 can't, I can't stress the importance enough of making God the emphasis of your life. That your goal and your aim in life at the kingdom of God and His righteousness are priority in your life and that there's... Listen, I, you know, I, I know this is going to sound a little strange, but I don't, I don't wake up every morning trying to think of something that I can do to offend God. 
My father's been gone for a long time. He passed away when I was just a teenager, but my mother is still alive. And I, I don't wake up every morning to think of something that would offend my mother. Why? Because I love her and she loves me. So, so what are you saying, Bishop? I, I, I want you to get this, this idea of emphasis in your life that the very first thing that's on your mind when you wake up in the morning and your eyes pop open, first of all, you ought to be thankful that you're alive. But the next thing that comes to mind is, God, what can I do from right now until I lay my head down tonight to do something to, to promote your kingdom and cause your kingdom to be brought to the forefront. Now, turn to your neighbor and tell them, get out of the way. Watch this. If we'll get out of the way and put God first in our lives. If we'll get in the back seat and let God do the driving without trying to tell Him how to do the driving. He promises us that He will help us to overcome the daily grind and stress and the worry in our lives. But the key to all of that is we must seek Him first. We must seek His kingdom. We must seek His righteousness. We must live to the glory of God. Anybody worry in here? Come on. Don't lie. The key to eliminating worry is taking God at His word. Watch, watch this now. I, I've told this little story before at this church, I know, but the story goes as a little farm boy that's hauling hay on the wagon and the wagon crashes hay spills off and a gentleman comes out, runs out to the, to the wagon and says, son, it's okay. Don't be upset. We'll, we'll, we'll get this taken care of. He said, dinner's about ready. Just come on in and have dinner. He said, sir, I appreciate that, but my father will really be upset with me. He said, don't worry. Come on in. We'll get this taken care of. They have dinner Come back out. He said, sir, I'm telling you, my father's really going to be upset with me. He said, well, where is your father? He said, he's under the hay. <laughs> That's the way we do God. We need to get God out, our father out from underneath the hay. Come on, somebody. 
when life turns us upside down, when mistakes and stumbling causes us to get out of alignment, we need to get back to that relationship with the Lord that it is first and foremost in our mind that my relationship with you is more important than any mistake, any problem, any circumstance, any situation. I choose to seek you first. I choose to give you first chance and opportunity to work it all out. I put it in your hands Because your word said if I'll seek you first and your kingdom first, all these things shall be added unto me. The key to eliminating worry is taking God out from underneath the pile of hay. Everybody say, Jesus, first. We've got to give him first place in our life. How do we do that? How, how, how do I give Jesus Christ first place in my life? Well, this is what it means. First of all, that you obey his word. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my, there you go. And if you haven't already done so, you need to repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. That's his word. That's giving Jesus first place in my life. And, and. I need to tell you that today is as good a time as any to give your life to the Lord. You'll never have a peaceful mind free from worry, especially about death, until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The, the, The Greek word translated seek means to go after, to strive, to pursue, to desire, to aim at, to search for, and to endeavor to get. I'm looking for somebody that has stand in the gap tonight whose life is not preoccupied with material things. And material goals. I'm looking for manly, godly men. Speaking of that, I know this is an aside, but I just heard this week that one of the major denominations in our country has now decided they're going to split. Because there's part of that denomination that wants to ordain the members of the LGBTQ community as ministry in their assemblies. Uh, 
I, 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 want you, I want you to realize how important it is to know that somebody needs to stand in the gap. Now, don't, don't go away and say, ah, that preacher was dogging on the LGBTQ community. I wasn't. I want them to be saved. But the, the way they're going to be saved is to align their lives with the Word of God and to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Amen. How did I get there? I, I, I want you to know that God needs, He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's searching in this generation. He wants somebody that has made up your mind that you want to become a citizen of God's kingdom. And that you're looking for others and encouraging others to be a part of God's kingdom. Now, uh, this isn't in my notes, but it just, it just popped in my spirit. I, I, I want to uh, um, ask you a real pointed question. Don't answer. Don't lift your hands. It's just for you to ponder right here. Do you individually... Do you individually feel a responsibility for the growth and revival of this church? Don't answer. Just think about it. Because if you don't, if you are not, then your kingdom principles are out of alignment. Because Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, in doing that, we have to understand that it's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of God that God is wanting us to get to the world around us. But the issue, the problem is, is that there are gaps in the hedge there are holes in the protection and I'll get to that in just a minute but there are gaps in the hedge and we're the church is slowly but surely losing some things that if we don't find somebody that will stand in the gap soon we're not going to be any better off than some of these other folks that don't know him at all. Is that just out there? God's looking for somebody to stand in the gap. Now, that, that doesn't need to be our third or fourth or fifth pursuit in life. It needs to be our first pursuit in this life. Well, I've made mistakes. I've fallen. I've failed. Listen, every man, woman, and child who goes through a failure needs to remember one thing. 
be faithful and continue to be faithful. Well, I, I, I messed up. You, you listen to me. Be faithful and continue to be faithful. And when you put God first, God will lift you up out of that. And he'll let you become someone that can stand in the gap. Your purpose in this world is so unique. First of all, let me, let, let me just remind you of something. What's the world population, Brother Steve? Seven and a half billion. I want, you to, I want you to understand something. I want you to get this. Out of seven and a half billion people that God could have called out of the world and brought into the church and shown you His light and filled you with His Spirit and gave you his name out of all of those billions of people. You're sitting here tonight with that privilege. Now, does that make you exclusive to the rest of the world or better than anyone else? A little bit. A little bit. How is that? Because... You're one step ahead. Those other folks, they're on their way. They just hadn't gotten here yet. You've made it into the presence of the Lord. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep my, my teacher voice right now. You have a unique purpose. Your purpose as a child of God is, a, is the purpose of service and sacrifice so that you can fit, fulfill your role successfully to the glory of God. Out of all of those billions of people, you're sitting here tonight with the opportunity before you to be someone who stands in the gap. You've been called to it. He pulled you out of the world into the church. His hand is upon you. Second law. This is heavy right here. You are meant to carry such responsibility for the kingdom that you will descend into exhaustion and resentment if you don't have the inner resources that come from living in connection with God. Well, I'm just tired of this. Well... Your connection's broken. Amen. 
You see, the issue with us is as much as we might try, we can't do what we're assigned to do without strength and energy beyond our own. And it comes from being people that live to the glory of God. In Judges chapter 6, and I'll hurry, in Judges chapter 6 we find Gideon threshing wheat by the wine press to hide from the Midianites when an angel of the Lord suddenly appears before him. And the Lord shocks Gideon with this surprising statement. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. But at that moment, he doesn't seem to demonstrate those traits. He's scared stiff. His eyes wide open. His knees are knocking. His heart is jumping. But God sees something different. God sees what Gideon is going to be. It's why you're here tonight. He didn't choose you for what you were. But he chose you and called you for what you're going to be. Listen, others others see our flaws and our failings and our shortcomings. But God sees our potential and our possibilities. During this time with Gideon, watch this, I love this. It's the eighth harvest season since the Midianite oppression. The number eight is the number of new beginning. And God chooses Gideon for a new beginning. A new start in the nation. You see, the key to his success was in his ability to recognize that without God, he could do nothing. Gideon understood his inabilities, his weaknesses, so he came to the place in his life that he was willing to rely on the strength and wisdom of God. Is there anybody here that gets tired of praying for the same thing? Come on, it's okay. We're not keeping records back there. Is there anybody here that finds yourself at times, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, finds yourself at times questioning, why do we do this? You find yourself looking at somebody else that seems to be 
more blessed. And you ask yourself and you ask God, where's my blessing? When all the time, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, you walk into the house of God and you're in the presence of the Lord and billions of people would give everything that they have to be able to feel what you feel and experience what you experience. Well, I don't have this or I don't have that. You may not, but I can promise you this. You've got what you need. How do you know I've got what I need? Because the Bible said if I'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all of these things shall be added unto me. His word said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches which are in glory. You've got what you need. It might not be what you want, but you've got what you need because God knows what you need. Yeah, but I'd like to have a little more. I, I want to talk to the men just, just a minute. No slide on the ladies. I just want to talk to the men just a minute. You have a responsibility. God's placed on your shoulders as the priest of your home. And it's no small task. It is such that without the inner strength and wisdom of the Holy Ghost, you'll never be able to accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish. But I rise on this Wednesday night Bible study to declare to you that it's time to come out of hiding. God's looking for some mighty men of valor that will fulfill your call from God. To do His will, the hedge has been broken in marriages, families, personal relationships, spiritual relationships, ministries, in our churches. And I've come looking tonight for men that will be willing to repair the hedge and stand in the gap. In, in God's good providence, He places hedges around the righteous for protection and blessing. Tell somebody I'm protected and I'm blessed. These hedges are like a spiritual fence or wall or partition. The Bible refers to God's protection and blessing of the righteous as a shield. Put me up Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, watch this, will bless the righteous 
With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Now, put up 18 and 2. I love this one. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Three, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you right now? The only way that those hedges can be breached, the only way that there can be a gap in the hedges is if you and me are dilatory in our role as men of God taking care of the hedges. You know, the Bible's against being lazy. 15 and 19 of Proverbs said, The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Our families, our ministries, our churches, our our marriages are in peril if someone doesn't stand in the gap. Ecclesiastes 10 and 8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Ezekiel. Back to where we we started. Ezekiel sees a corrupt government. Man, do we have one of those. That's all I'm going to say. Ministry. Corrupt ministry. And unconcerned people. Watch. That are self-gratifying. We can't. We can't think about winning someone else because we're too concerned about getting our own needs met. Oh, I knew it was going to be quiet today. Self-gratifying. Self-promoting. And God is displeased. This, listen to this, and I'm, I'm going to quit. 22 and 28, listen to this. Listen to the condition. These are God's people that he's talking about. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. Something that's not going to last. Seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying... Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. I hear these cats all the time talking about the Lord said. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. 
But, but it's what Ezekiel's dealing with here. He's, he said they're, they're trying to just patch things over and make them look good aesthetically, but there's an issue because if the enemy ever tries to come back and get in where that, that gap in the hedge is, it won't be hard because the mortar that they're using is not even tempered. It won't withstand the enemy. You can't just fix this on a Sunday night in a Sunday night service. You can't just fix this in a Wednesday night Bible study. We've got to do something to close up the gap that will last, that will withstand the enemy. He said, I, I saw it for a man. I read that, that part to you. And he said, I found, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. What happened? Please hear me, church family. They lost purpose somewhere along the way and became useless to God. I'm asking you tonight to stir up your hearts. I know I haven't spit to the fifth row tonight. But I'm asking you tonight to stir up your hearts and let's go work on standing in the gap and repairing the hedge. This is more than a job for a handful of pastors. And staff, we need young men and old to come together to say, we want to protect the things of God. Ezekiel 13 and 5. You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the heads for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He said, you have not gone up. Gaps were a metaphor for the breaches made in a wall. Watch. To which the defenders ought to betake themselves in order to repel the entrance of an enemy. The breach that is made in a theocracy through a nation's sins Unless it is fixed, watch, the vengeance of God will break in through it. Listen, I, 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 I understand. I understand that there are all kinds of ideas on the board about how we ought to, how we ought to operate in the church and how we ought to live and where we ought to go and what we ought to be able to do. And Listen, if you're seeking the kingdom of God first, you won't have any trouble knowing where God wants you and where He doesn't want you. 
hedge. The hedge is the law of God. By violating it, people strip themselves of the fence of God's protection. And they lay exposed to the enemy. People that choose to walk contrary to the word of God, they choose to have the protection of God removed from them. We cannot help you. God cannot help you. If you choose to walk outside of the hedge that he has provided. Listen, if you've got loved ones that are walking there right now that are outside of the ark of safety... You better make it a priority to plead with God for mercy on their soul. Because if you don't and they don't get back, when they get back, you won't recognize them. Looking for somebody that'll stand in the gap. false prophets didn't try to repair the evil by bringing back to the people the law with good counsel they just let them go their way because it was to their benefit there's a call that I'd like to leave you with tonight Those that stood in the gap where the hedges were broken, they had a twofold purpose to repair the breach from within and to oppose the enemy from without. We've got a responsibility to keep the church healthy on the inside. But we've also got a responsibility to fight the enemy that would come against the church on the outside. Where are the hedge builders tonight? Where are those that would stand? Are you, are you tired of things being decimated in unrighteousness? Are you tired? I, I, I submit to you tonight, we have to save one more family. We have to save a ministry. We have to save a church. We have to save a city. We have to save a nation. Turn it back to repentance. But that's not going to happen if the hedge remains unrepaired and unguarded. Stand with me. How are we going to fix that, Bishop?
It's very simple. Repentance is the key to repairing the breaches in our lives. Proverbs 25 and 28 said, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. I wonder tonight, could it be that we need a time on our knees for repairs? Would you bow your heads? Lord, right now, I'm asking you, God, to touch the hearts of this people. The potential in this room is unlimited. But the enemy would like to keep us distracted with all kinds of things in our lives. And I'm asking you, God, to help us make your kingdom a priority every day. Every day of our lives. Help our minds, our hearts to be fixed and set upon you. And let us be willing to stand in the gap for those that are lost without you. In Jesus' name.